Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week is all about ChatGPT, the new artificial intelligence-powered chatbot that can write so convincingly the essays and other written materials it produces can often be mistaken for works written by real people. This is obviously causing some concern for educators, as students may no longer need to actually do all of their own work, outsourcing it instead to a bot that's free and easily accessible online. So how is this going to affect the way they teach? I talked to professors from three schools in our area. First, Associate Professor of Information Security Glenn Goh from Stark State College explaining what exactly a chatbot is and how this one is different. I think all of us, if you've been any kind of, you've gone to some type of a website for assistance and you've asked for help or you started up a chat, you'll see a chat window pop up. And in some cases, it's easy to determine that you're talking to a human being. And in other cases, you're not so sure where it's almost as if you're getting canned responses based on cues or words in your question or in your request, and you'll get a response. So anybody that's done much on the internet or shopping, you'll run across something like chat GPT. Those were more crude versions of it. One of the most recent ones I remember doing and not to pick on them was something with a help function in Microsoft. And I had a request and I typed in my question and I got sort of a canned response from Microsoft. If your question is a little more vague or you rephrase it in the right way, sometimes you'll get a response that'll say, I didn't understand your question and it kind of reject it. But it's an automated way for information in the form of a chat to be returned to the person requesting it. Now, the interesting thing about chat GPT, and if you do a little research on it, I thought it, when you talk about the education part of it, it's kind of funny. The predecessor to it was called Instruct GPT, and it's using artificial intelligence, I guess, as uh, supporting it. And now it's to the point where it's not so easy to determine that you're talking to a computer or it's an automated or a canned response. The algorithm behind it and the the machine learning that they're using now it gets tough to determine if that's the case. And I actually was doing a little bit of research as you know we were talking about getting together for this. And there had been one prior where they had mentioned it, but it actually, this is supposedly past the Turing test, where if you have an observer and they, in essence, watch the interaction between a couple of individuals not knowing who they are, they're not able to determine or they weren't able to determine that one of them was a computer, which is kind of revolutionary when you look at this technology. Next, University of Akron Director of Online Continuing and Professional Education, Wendy Lampner. I think it's going to become another tool. I think we are having all the natural human reactions people have to tools that come out. There's people that are fearful. There are people that are excited, overly so, ascribe too much power to it. And there are people that are, you know, we should ban it, but it's not going to be banned. We've actually been using artificial intelligence tools in in work environments for a long time and going to continue to do more of that. So my philosophy is if it's something that's used for work, the university certainly has an obligation to train students in how to use it effectively, to understand it, to make appropriate use of it, to use it ethically. 
and effectively and productively. So there's a lot of productivity that can be gained from tools such as these. Similar tools are embedded already in our office. So for example, Microsoft Word will suggest rewriting of sentences for you. PowerPoint will do a really great job now of suggesting ways for you to design your slides based on the content. So it's actually looking at the content and making suggestions. So I think we're going to just see more and more. And I don't think it's something that we can go backwards or disable or prevent. I think it's a matter of educating the students on what it is and how to use it appropriately. And there's the rub. How can you keep students from going for the easy A by having the bot do their work for them? And more importantly, perhaps, how will teachers be able to tell if they do? I talked about it with Dr. Jennifer Marcinkevich, who's the director of Kent State University's Center for Teaching and Learning, who says so far the bot has only been trained on material up to 2021. I think there are lots of implications for faculty who teach writing, for example. I think that will be particularly challenging to distinguish uh, student writing from the AI writing for in-person classes, of course. Faculty could ask their students to write in class in person, or they could ask their students to take something written by ChatGPT and add an additional paragraph or to refine the work of ChatGPT with their own writing skills. So it will be really, really challenging, I think. So let me ask you this. Sounds like at this moment, in terms of its ability to do things. It's pretty good at some things. It's not so good at other things. It wouldn't be like a great help to somebody taking a biology class, like a lab report. But if I was a high school student or a freshman at Kent and I was taking my round one literature and I said, write me a report on war and peace, could it do that? And would it do a pretty good job? It certainly could write a report on war and peace. And it could answer questions related to biology that were based on fact, that were less experimental in nature. So yes, it can do that and it can do it fairly well. And it can be very difficult to detect. So some ways that you can detect it, of course, include asking students to read an article written in 2022 (laughs) and reflect on what's covered in that article and its relationship to war and peace. ChatGPT simply would not be able to do it. Tying it to very current events, ChatGPT would not be able to do it. ChatGPT also doesn't do a good job with visuals, produce a visual diagram, a concept map, some sort of visual organizer of war and peace. That would be very difficult for students to get anything useful from ChatGPT. So, but could it write that paper? If a faculty member had a historic assignment that they had used before, it could, and it could be very difficult to detect. But when it comes to teaching cybersecurity, the concerns and teaching workarounds are a bit different. Here again is Professor Glenn Goh from Stark State College. A lot of students in my field, they're either generating or doing tests where there's an extended response required. I want them to explain a concept, not just give me a multiple choice or a true or false. Or they're doing lab work where they have an actual image. And as part of that, you can't just answer the question about the image you have to show me. It's who, what, when, where, how, and why. 
show me what you found, where you found it, how you found it, what tools you use to find it, and so on. So I guess my particular curriculum, I'm not so worried yet. So now expanding our view farther than the walls of the classroom and, and going out into the larger world and specifically pointing at the implications that something like this might have for cybersecurity in general, national security in particular. Is this something that is of great concern to you in terms of disinformation, misinformation, and actual hackers using this? Yes. If you think about the evolution of the old, and I think it was called the Nigerian scam, where you would receive some kind of a email and it was to solicit you to take some kind of financial action. And everyone would kind of laugh. And it hasn't been that many years ago at those because you'd say, you know, the grammar was bad. The construction was bad. And, you know, it was pretty easy to recognize that it was some kind of a scam. This then kind of ups the ante for that. Now you could have something using AI and this is freely available for someone there in the kind of the beta test phase of this where you can log in and I, I just added it on to my Google browser as an add-on and then tried it out. So yes, it's going to make determining or detecting things you know, like that and not so obvious as they were in the past because now you've got artificial intelligence sort of back end of this supporting it. The other thing about it, and one of the reasons they're offering this for free right now is they're using all of the information and the practice and this to develop or to teach this or actually learn from what's going on right now. So it's going to get better and better. So yeah, I, you know, that that's one aspect of it. We talked already about the ability for it to look at code and look for problems. There's some discussion about, could you use something like this if you were writing a piece of malware and have it in an essence, check your malware to tell you how to make it more efficient. So yeah, it's, it's, it's got some real implications. And if, if you look at it like a tool for improving, if you're trying to commit some type of cyber warfare, can you use some version of this in order to improve your weapon? was Professor Glenn Goh from Stark State College. Thanks to him for joining our conversation and also to Professors Wendy Lampner from the University of Akron and Jennifer Marsinkevich from Kent State University. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.